Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. But how many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Man, you guys are excited. This is going to be a good day. A good day. Well, we are in part 10 of a series looking at the book of Philippians, one of my favorite, favorite books of the Bible. If you haven't at this moment pulled out your Bible and begun to read through the book of Philippians, let me tell you, start this week. Let the Word of God really dive in to your heart. We're titling this series, Don't Worry, I'm sorry, we're titling this series, No Matter What. This morning's message is called, Don't Worry, Choose Joy. For the last several weeks, we've been taking the time to look at the idea that we've got to do some work on the inside. I think for too many years, the, the church has been guilty of, of doing a lot of work on the outside. We've done a lot of work of making sure that we look the part on the outside, but we have failed to do the work on the inside. Would you agree with that? And I believe it's time that the church, if we really want to be the people of God that he calls us to be, if we really want to be who he's chosen us to be, then it's vital that we take the time to do the work on the inside. We looked at the last two weeks, looked at that idea. Now this morning, I want to move into a two-week study on the beginning portion, in fact, the first nine verses of chapter 4. How many of you would agree with me this morning that life can be a little stressful? Let let me ask that again because some of you didn't quite respond. I think you were a little stressed in the moment. How many of you would agree with me that life can be a wee bit stressful? We're really experiencing that in 2020, aren't we? I mean, there are all sorts of things that are just beating on us, all sorts of division, all sorts of struggle, all sorts of strife. And now here we are, right in the middle of campaign season, election season, and all chaos is breaking loose. But Paul says these words to us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Would you say that with me? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, then you will experience God's peace. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to individuals, I've talked to people, and they've said, Pastor, how do I go about finding God's peace? How do I go about finding this resolution in my life? Paul lays it out for us here. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Man, isn't that awesome? God's peace surpasses anything that we can wrap ourselves around. If you think right now, well, this gives me peace. No, no, that pales in comparison to what God has available to you. So Paul gives us this idea. In fact, the theme of Philippians chapter 4 is how do we find or how do we have a joyful life? Anybody out there want to know that? Yeah, a couple of us want to know that this morning. How do we move beyond this stress-filled, chaotic life? And how do I move into a life that is full of joy? 
Paul gave us the answer, but two verses earlier, he says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I, I say it again, Rejoice. Now we look at that and in our human mindset, in our limited capability, I don't know about you, but I see that and I go, that's not possible. There is no way that, that I can always be full of joy. There is no way that I can always rejoice. Have you had those moments when you're driving down the road and that person in front of you has no care in the world? They have nowhere to be no time schedule. They don't know how a blinker works. They don't know how to merge properly. They don't realize that that turn lane in the middle is what you need to get into before you stop. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and we look at those moments in our life and we're just overwhelmed and we're like, get out of the way. And we're stressed. We're overloaded. We're running late. Our kids aren't cooperating. Things aren't working right. We're arguing with our spouse. Our job has got us overloaded. And all these things are going on. And now Paul says, don't worry about it. Just always be full of joy. What? I mean, what is this guy talking about? But then I realize he doesn't say in your own strength, in your own ability, in your own knowledge, but be full of joy, how? In the Lord. You see, it's when I make that transition from taking everything on myself to giving it to God. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. So we move from carrying it all alone. And many of us, we're so guilty of just piling on all of the piles and all the loads and all the stresses and all the struggles of life. And we're wearing down and we're, we're weary and we're hurting. Like, how do I even find relief? Man, you've got to take those things off. It, it, it's kind of like when you're in the house and your wife texts and says, hey, can you help me with the groceries? And you go down there and you're like, I can do this in one load. And you pile, come on, some of you guys can relate to this. You pile all those on. By the time you get upstairs, your arms are shaking and the blood is gone and it's hurting, right? But that moment you put them on the counter, you're like, oh, that's good stuff right there. See, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to lay that down before him. To, to give it to him. But maybe, maybe you can relate to this. I want to read an excerpt out of the book, Making Room for Life, by Randy Frazee. It says this. Consider the average day of a typical middle-class family in America. Maybe, maybe this is you. The family rises at 6 a.m. Everyone fends for himself or herself for breakfast. Dad heads out at 6.45 to beat the 7 a.m. traffic. His normal commute without excessive traffic is 45 minutes. Mom and the two children are out the door by 7.15. Usually someone is a little cranky. Mom drops her elementary age son off by 7.40. 20 minutes later, she arrives at her, her workplace. At 3.30 p.m., the children are done with school and enter an after-school program. 
Mom skips lunch so she can rush out of the office to pick the kids up by 5 p.m. She arrives home at 5.30. 15 minutes later, one of her sons has baseball practice. She gets both kids in the car and rushes them to the practice field right on time. The other son has a game at 8 p.m. She calls her husband on the cell phone while taking her son to baseball practice to make sure he can grab the second child at the field and get him to the game by 7.30. Dad leaves the office at 6 p.m., unsuccessful in his efforts to make it through his to-do list for today. Traffic is now an issue. 45-minute commute stretches now into an hour and 15 minutes. He arrives at the practice field at 7.15 with all the signs of road stress. He kisses his wife, waves at the son in center field, whooshes the second son into the SUV, a mere $700 a month more payment, and heads to the game field about 15 minutes away. Son number one finishes practice at 7.30, and he and mom head home. On the way, they stop at Taco Bell for dinner. Come on, Taco Bell. They arrive home at 8 p.m. The boy turns to video games while mom checks her email. Meantime, the baseball game gets started a little late and doesn't end until 9.45. Dad is still in his business casual clothes. But he does appreciate the forced break to watch his son play ball. On the way home, they make a quick stop at McDonald's drive-thru. They arrive home at 10.30. Once in the house, son number two reveals that he hasn't finished studying for his history test he's supposed to take tomorrow. After 45 minutes of shoving facts into the son's short-term memory while he inhales his McDonald's Happy Meal, uh, mom sends him to bed. It's now 11.15 p.m. Time for bed. Mom and dad flop into bed dead tired. They watch a little television, exchange a few words, mostly action items for the next day, and the lights go out. Mom falls asleep as soon as the lights are out. Dad, on the other hand, doesn't. He lies there thinking about all the things that must be done. He knows he needs to sleep, so he gets up and he swallows a sleeping pill. It seems to be the only way that he can get a good night's sleep. It bothers him a little, but he doesn't see any alternative. Tomorrow promises to be much the same. Things seem a little harried and out of hand, but the following assumptions keep the family from making any changes. Everyone lives this way. This is a privileged life that can only be maintained with hard work and discretionary money. Things will eventually even out. This is just a temporary season of busyness. Have you ever said that? Man, right now it's just a busy time. Right now there's just a lot going on. I know my schedule is really insane right now. I know that I'm just taxed to the limit with activities and things going on, but this is just a busy time. It will soon pass. Anybody ever make that statement? Let me ask a follow-up question. Have you ever come out of that season? How many, find, how many of us find ourselves in this same predicament? Try though we may, the slow season never arrives. Unfortunately, we try to maintain it on our own. Therefore, all we do is simply maintain life. There's never really any advancement in handling the stress and the situations in front of us. 
But I love the words in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Grab a hold of that this morning. Some of you need to turn to Nehemiah. Some of you didn't realize there was a book in the Bible called Nehemiah. But you need to find Nehemiah this morning. You need to go to chapter 8. You need to go to verse 10. You need to underline, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This joy that we're talking about, this joy that we read about in Nehemiah, this joy that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. It's not something we can conjure up on our own. It's not something we can even learn by ourselves. But it's God. God is our source. God is the one that can take us from overloaded to weight free. God is the one that can take us from dejected and sad into this life of joy. God is the one that can take us from this lifestyle of worry and concern to a life of dependence, complete trust in God and God alone. You see, the word strength here in Nehemiah chapter 8 literally means a place or a means of safety. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your place or your means of safety, your protection, your refuge, your stronghold. Some of you in the house today, you've been trying this by yourself, and I want you to know that God wants to be your refuge today. God wants to be the place that you can run to when you're hurting. God wants to be the place that you can turn to when you're stressed out. God wants to be the place that you turn to when you're overloaded with life and you don't know what to do. He wants to be that source for you. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yet we find ourselves spiraling through life. Day after day, moments after moment, going through the same motions. Every day promises to be just like the previous. It's just another day. Most of us, we don't really enjoy life. We just endure life. We look for that next time we can lay down and take a nap. Come on, anybody else? We look for that moment of quiet, of solitude. My wife and I, we're guilty, I'll be honest with you. My kids have been in college. Both my kids are now in college, and they started in the fall. And over and over, I've had people walk up and go, Pastor, what is, li- what is it like to be an empty nester? I mean, that must be great. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> we haven't had a break yet. It's been one thing after another, just going and going and going. I- I'm ready to discover what it's like to not have kids at home. <laughs> no offense, Chandler, he's back for the weekend. Glad you're here, son. <laughs> so this morning... This morning, I want to give you the first three of six strategies of reducing stress. Anybody want to hear that this morning? Let me give you the first three of those. Number one is this. Worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. This word nothing, literally, it means maydays. Nobody. 
no one, nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no one. Be anxious for nobody. Come on, that's good stuff right there. But what are we, we're so concerned about everything, about everybody. What are they going to think about me? What are they thinking right now? Some of you, you walked in the building and you were concerned. What are people in church going to think about me today? You know, what doesn't matter. We live our life for one. We serve one and one only. I'm not saying that you need to ignore the person beside you because the Bible clearly says we need one another. We need community. We need relationship. We need to encourage. We need to, to correct. We need to help. We need to aid one another. But our biggest concern shouldn't be those around us. Our biggest concern should be God. And when his joy is our strength, when he's the one that can take us from nothing into something, when he's the one that can give us a transfer in our life, then he's the one that we need to focus on. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, worrying about no one. There's nothing in this world that we need to be worried about. But in everything we do, we must place our hope and our trust before God. I love the words in Matthew chapter 6. From the message paraphrase, it says this. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself, steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. This word steep, it literally means to saturate yourself. It's like taking a a tea bag. And I remember as a kid, we used to make sun tea. I mean, this is pre-microwave time, folks. This is you use the sun in the sky to heat the water to make the tea spread out into the glass. It was awesome. So here we are, back porch, put the water out there. It gets nice and hot, and we put that tea bag in there. And what happens? That water begins to move into that tea bag and pull all of the goodness out of that tea bag. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to be so consumed with him that he flows through us that suddenly his thoughts become our thoughts. His desires become our desires. His dreams become our dreams. Unfortunately, we're so saturating, so much saturating ourselves in self-misconceptions. We saturate ourselves in self roadblocks and self-shortcomings or even failures that we miss out on the opportunity to let all that God is consume us. Statistics show that over 50% of lost workdays are stress-related. 40% of job turnover is due to stress. 25% view their jobs as the number one stress in their lives. 80% of workers feel stress on the job. 
62% end the day with work-related neck pain. 44% of workers end the day with stressed out eyes. 38% end the day with hurting hands. 34% report difficulty sleeping because they're too stressed out. Over 50% of workers so they often spent 12-hour days on the work-related duties and an equal number frequently skipping lunch because of the stress of job demands. Job stress is estimated to cost American industry 200 to $300 billion annually. People who are unable to effectively manage their stress had a 40% higher death rates than more emotionally managed individuals. And finally, 75 to 90% of visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related problems. Folks, we have an issue. And I'm not just talking about those outside these walls. It would be easy to say, all oh, this world's just a mess. They're all stressed out. But guess what, folks? So are we. Because we failed to turn to the source, we failed to turn to the resolution, we're overloaded, we're stressed out, we can't even seem to make it through the next day. Handling affairs of life seems to be way too much. The motto of many people is this, why worry when we can pray? Or that should be the motto. See, oftentimes the motto is, why pray when I can worry? Let's just be honest. Oh, we got real excited on the first one. But the truth of the matter is, I fear that we worry a lot more than we pray. We allow life to consume us. It beats us down, we're stressed out, we're overloaded, we have health issues now because of all the stress that we're enduring life. And God says, I didn't design you for this. I designed you to, to lean on me, to, to rely on me, to trust in me, to allow my joy to be your strength. See, worry is simply assuming a responsibility that God never intended for us to assume. We're simply expending energy by trying to control the uncontrollable. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 says it this way, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about this for a moment. You get that phone call, you get that information, you have that in front of you. Can worrying about that really add a single moment to your life? No. In fact, one article I read online said this. If you, had a, if you have a lot of responsibilities and worries, you may be running on stress a good portion of the time. Launching into emergency mode in every with every traffic jam, phone call with the in-laws, or segment in the evening news. But the problem with stress response is that the more it's activated, the harder it is to shut off. Come on, look at this. I love what this report says. The more that it's activated, the harder it is to shut off. Instead of leveling off once the crisis has passed, 
Your stress hormones, your heart rate, your blood pressure remain elevated. Furthermore, extended and repeated activation of the stress response takes a heavy toll on your body. Prolonged exposure to stress increases your risk of everything from heart disease to obesity and infection of uh, infection to anxiety, depression, and memory problems. Because of the widespread damage that it can cause, it is essential, it's essential to learn how to deal with stress in a more positive way and reduce the impact of it on your daily life. So let me ask you a question again. Can all these worries add a single moment to your life? The answer is no. So there's got to be a better way. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Well, that's great, Pastor. Tell me what I, I can't do, but what can I do? If I can't worry about it, what's my solution? What do I turn to instead? I'm so glad you asked. Strategy number two is this. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Paul is saying, don't panic Pray. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, don't panic, pray. That's what Paul wants us to grab out of this section of Scripture. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's certainly big enough to pray about. But why do we so often leave prayer as our last, last resort? Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. How many times have we been guilty of saying that? Why don't we say, well, I guess all we can do now is say worry. No, we leave prayer as a last resort, and we put worry at the very forefront of all that we do, and then we're stressed out, and, and we're overloaded, and we don't know what to do. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says this, Always be joyful, there Paul goes again, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I love Paul's instruction in this section of Scripture, because right in the middle of these two great challenges, always be joyful and be thankful in all circumstances, right in the middle of these two wonderful statements, he places this great challenge. He says it's only possible with prayer. The only way that you can live a life that is always full of joy, the only way that you can live a life that is thankful in all circumstances is to saturate it in prayer. Prayer must be a regular part of our lives. You see, without prayer, worry and stress is the best it is. That's all you've got. If you don't have prayer, if you don't have a connection with God, then the only choice that you have is to carry this burden by yourself. Can I just tell you, worry is inevitable without prayer. Without prayer, a heart of thanksgiving is not only difficult, to be honest with you, it's impossible. But God wants us to 
place him inside of us, to be filled with his joy, to allow his thanksgiving to overflow in us. That's his will. That's his plan for each and every one of us today. So right in the middle of these two great challenges, he places a large slice of prayer. I want you to sandwich this in. Because the only thing that's going to hold all of this together is a communication line. Now listen carefully. Sometimes we're so busy in our prayer of just speaking that we fail to hear. You see, if all that we're doing is talking to God, I wonder, is that really prayer or is that just a monologue? See, prayer is a verbal communication between us and the Father. I believe that God wants to speak into our heart. There are times that we just need to be still and know. That we just got to sit back and say, Lord, I don't even know what to say right now. Lord, you already know my heart. Lord, you already know what I'm dealing with. I just need you to speak into me. And sometimes it'll be that still, small voice, and he'll, he'll speak into your life. Sometimes he'll use the word of God. Sometimes he uses godly people, but let me just say, be cautious of that. Make sure that what they say lines up with the word of God. Sometimes it's just a swift kick in the hind end by God. Anybody else? Yes. But we just need that time of saying, Lord, Speaking to my life. You see, the only way that we can ever allow his joy to be our strength is if we give him the junk and receive that joy in return. To let his joy fill that void or that emptiness in our lives. Look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, early on in the book. He says, for I know that as you pray for me, And the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. Paul knew that the only way that he was going to make it through the situation that he was in was with prayer. Was when Jesus Christ stepped in to the situation. See, no matter what you are facing in life, I know the answer. The answer is prayer. No matter what the difficulty, no matter how how stressed it has you, no matter how overloaded you may feel, prayer is your answer. Prayer is a solution. Let me give you our third strategy. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Number three, thank God for all things. Thank God for all things. Look at verse six. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. There's always something to be thankful for. My wife and I, a couple weeks ago, were looking at Facebook. We were hanging out and we were kind of scrolling through Facebook. I think she saw this statement first and, and shared it with me. It simply said this, complaining is simply another way of telling God that he's wrong. I was like, man, why not begin to thank him? 
Lord, I, I know things aren't perfect around me right now, God. I know that things aren't incredible, but Lord, I want to thank you that I was able to get up this morning. I want to thank you for the breath that you get. I want to thank you for the roof that I have over my head. I want to thank you for the friends that I've got. You see, there's always something to be thankful for, and I'm reminded of a story. Some of you may be familiar with it, some maybe not, but it's a man by the name of Job. Do you remember Job? Job had a rough way to go. In fact, if you look in chapter 1, it says one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all your animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. It's pretty rough, right? How would you like to get to get that news? How would you like for someone to walk up and go, hey man, Luke, I want to just tell you, I was out of your place and, and all, of your, all your farmhand, all that stuff is gone. I'm the only one that survived. But it says, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived. Your sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. Job stood up. He tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. And we think it's over? No. See, on the next page it says, so Satan left the Lord's presence and struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery and sat in the ashes. And his wife said to him, are you ready for the encouragement from the wife? Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. That's encouragement. Job lost everything. And here he sits, boils consuming his body. He's scraping them with broken pottery, sitting in the ashes. And the only one that he has left looks at him and says, what are you doing? Why are you holding on to your integrity? You've lost everything. Just curse God and die. Man, I look at that. Man, that guy is just overloaded with stress. I can imagine just the pressure of life that he was feeling. Many of us in that moment, we would have agreed with the wife. We would have said, yeah, that's what I need to do. Throw in the towel, give up. Yet Job realized that God knew what was going on. That God hadn't abandoned him. That God was still in control. Does that mean that Job was happy all the time? No. If you read on, 
in the book of Job. Job had some roller coasters experiences. But in chapter 2, he says this. Should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Think about that for a moment. You've got these stresses in life. You've got these difficulties that you're facing in life. What are you going to do with that? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God for all he's done. Tell God how much you love him. Tell God what you need. But thank him for all that he's done. See, the Bible goes on to say in Job chapter 42, it says that God blessed Job. In the second half of his life, God blessed Job more than he did in the beginning. See, if all we ever receive is the mountaintop experiences in life, how would we grow? Think about that. If all we ever have is the blessings of life, if all we ever receive is participation awards, how will we ever grow? You see, it's when we go through the struggles, it's when we go through the, the difficult moments of life, it's then that we grow. Why? Because it's in that moment that we reach out and say, Lord, today I need you more than ever before. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to make a change. Rather than letting worry be your first stopping point, rather than letting worry be where you turn to and prayer being the last resorts, why not start with prayer? Why not give it to God? Why not let His joy be your strength?